It's episode number one of the Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Show. Here's what's coming up. We're a company that scales compassion. We're a company that started a movement. So Think Botanicals is we are um, on track to unleashing a global phenomenon which will impact wellness. And we do that with CBD products. And um, to get a little more granular, one of the cool things we did is rather than just um, um, nothing wrong with this, rather than just private labeling or white labeling or any of those, we are as close to a vertically integrated CBD company as can be. So we manufacture, we produce, um, we distribute, have our own distribution line. And then, of course, we have a rapidly growing retail footprint um, as, as of 2019. <laughs> Welcome to the Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Show. This is the place to learn the exact blueprint on breaking into the cannabis industry. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys, to the Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Podcast Show, where real seasoned cannabis entrepreneurs share some of their most coveted, hard-to-find secret information on how to break into the cannabis industry and more. I am your host, Gary George, and I'm excited today to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Rick Martinez. That's right. As a veteran registered nurse, writer, and a successful cannabis entrepreneur, Rick brings a wealth of information and tremendous passion for impacting lives. His story began in the U.S. Army where Rick enlisted from 88 to 1990. He earned his BSN degree. He's become a registered nurse. He's had several years in nursing. And after that, his entrepreneurial spirit kicked in. In 2001, he bootstrapped his first business, MedTrust, where he serviced several federal contracts. He scaled and grew the business. The company grew to several hundred employees before he successfully exited the business with the sale. He is now the CEO of Think Botanicals, which is a CBD company. And we're going to talk a bunch about that. But let me tell you a little bit more. He's also got some awards from San Antonio's 40 Under 40 Award recipient. He's recognized as the country's top 100 by the U.S. Small Business Administration. He's a three times Amazon best selling author. And get this, people. He's an Ironman triathlon finisher and CrossFit extraordinaire. That's right. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen, for my man, Rick Martin. Martinez. <laughs> Gary, that was, that was quite an introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate you coming on the show today, Rick. I know you're super busy doing a whole bunch of big things, but I wanted to grab you for five you know, a little bit more than five minutes, but I want to grab you and pick your brain, get some really great stuff for our audience. I know you have a ton to offer, so I'm going to dive right in. I'm not going to waste too much time. I want to really make sure that everybody gets maximum um, benefit from this conversation. So my first question to you, Rick, is how did you get started in the cannabis industry? How did I get started in the cannabis industry? So a great question. And um, probably, in my opinion, one of the most impactful ones, because you learn a lot about where people's intentions are. So here's how I got my start. It's been it's been a few years. Uh, it's been a few years, mm -hmm. but it was about two years ago. Um, after we exited our firm, after we sold our company, um, actually, we sold our company in 2014. And uh, we were a large federal contractor. So we sold it. Uh, at that point, I was I got into some angel investing and startups, uh, mentoring and advising companies. And it was a few years ago, a few years ago today, but a few years ago into that path that a good buddy of mine who's a Marine, um, he needed some help. And he needed some um, help with his startup. And let me just be clear. So my friend, the Marine, spent 10 years in the Marine Corps. Um, we've been friends for well over about a decade. And he's he's currently an engineer for a large multinational oil company. So no longer in the Marine Corps, but he's super intelligent. And he says, Rick, I, I need help with my startup. And I'm like, sure. Any, anything you need, you know, what, you know, I'm uh, as a former army nurse, uh, you know, veterans have an affinity to, um, well, we just, he's, he's a buddy, he's a vet. And I said, I said, who do you want to help? And he said, I want to help veterans with PTSD. And right, right then and there, I knew I was going to be in whatever he was going to do. And I said, how? And he said, CBD. And Gary, I had no idea what that was. And I told him that I said, <laughs> right. I said, his name is Grant. I said, Grant, I have no idea what the heck CBD is, but if it's going to help veterans with PTSD, I'm in. And that started mm -hmm. my journey. Uh, it, it, my journey literally started not knowing anything about um, modern day cannabis and knowing everything about what I was told it was. And uh, probably like a lot wow. of a lot of Americans, I was told it was well, obviously it was illegal. 
it's not good for you. There's no medicinal value. It's the devil's lettuce. Stay away. And my mind began to shift. But that's how I got my initial entry into the industry. Wow. 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 So it came out from a buddy and a necessity. And that's one of the core things that um, we're seeing in terms of commonalities between a lot of the guests and people asking them how they got into business. And you can see a lot of times it is coming from a situation that uh, is mission critical calling for something that either happens in their lives, a buddy's life, something where people really put their guards down and start to look for alternative great um, measures. And I think that's a really great story that you were able to um, get out of the mindset of this is a bad thing to adjusting and saying, let me help a friend, let me help some other veterans and move into the business that way. So that was good that you were able to break. Was it hard to break that mindset, Rick? Because I know, it, you know, a lot of people have those connotations initially. And when you do, it's, it's kind of difficult to turn them around. So how'd you do it? It was you know, Gary, I, I, it's, so the answer to your question, the short answer is yes, but there's, there's so much more to that. And I'm going to expound just a second. So, uh, it, it was difficult. It was difficult because, uh, there was a moral aspect to it. There's an ethical aspect. Um, and then um, I'm a license holder. I'm an RN. So there's the medical aspect. You know, I have been a practitioner and believer in Western medicine. And suddenly, uh, I'm, I'm faced with this, this plant that is supposedly illegal has good things for you and your body. And so it was a lot of things, but even beyond that, um, if I'm just being really open, transparent with you and with your listeners is, um, it was polarizing because, mm. uh, you know, I, I then had to let it be known at some point that this is the industry I'm, I'm in cannabis, whether it's CBD or marijuana, let's just call it all cannabis. And, right. The polarization came from, you know, I'm using air quotes, friends who suddenly, literally and figuratively unfriended my wife and I. So, um, wow. yeah, it was hard to say the least. It's, it wasn't Man. easy. It's, it's not just pull the trigger, jump in. It's, there's so many other considerations that I think a lot of people maybe don't think about. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me let me ask you another question. How did you transition? Because you were a registered nurse, you were in the in the service and then you moved on to the cannabis industry, becoming a cannabis entrepreneur, consulting other companies, doing other things. How did you transition from what you were doing as a registered nurse into the cannabis industry? So. Um, I guess another point uh, that, that I should share is that I haven't actually done, I, I still hold the license of an RN as of today, the end of 2018, uh, but I have not practiced as a registered nurse in well over a decade. So um, the the transition from practitioner uh, wasn't an issue because I, I was not a hands-on practitioner. I, I'm, a, I'm a license holder, but the transition, you, you know, um, I was, I was in the cannabis closet for, for many, many months. Um, <laughs> and I mean, no disrespect for anybody, but I was in the closet about this, about what I was doing for a long, long time. And, um, as you know, Gary, I'm, I'm pretty, um, pretty social on social media. I'm, I, I right. put myself out there. And, uh, if, you know, the truth is, is that I didn't put that out there. So there was a right. part of my, if, if one was to really analyze maybe my Facebook post, there was a, a part of, in the last few years where I posted nothing about cannabis, but I was heavily into the industry and, you know, co-founder of a CBD firm. So, um, the transition was, uh, it was, I remember the very the, distinctly the day where I drew my line in the sand. And that was when, um, a friend of mine, I mean, a good friend, I know his wife, his kids, we've had dinner with him and he's, um, he's, uh, he's known, he's a person of the community when he made a, several very derogatory comments on one of my social profiles and my wife's and, oh, um, as to our choice of industry and it, it hurt my feel. It hurt. It, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. It, it hurt my feelings. It hurt my soul. It hurt mm. my heart. And it was that moment, that day. That night when I read it, I thought, I thought to myself, Rick, you have a choice. You can continue to remain in the cannabis closet and let this bug you, or you can draw your line and crush that door, fling that door open. And I mm -hmm. chose to fling the door open, Gary. And, and I said, yes, I am in the cannabis industry. And I drew my line in the sand and that was, it, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. Right. It, it was hard, but, um, it's just like anything in life worth doing. You got to do it. 
Right. Absolutely. And that's a great thing that you stepped up to the plate because a lot of people really, you know, don't have the heart to do what you did and uh, withstand the criticisms from family, friends, um, all this kind of thing with people with misinformation, not understanding, but quickly making judgment about this industry, not realizing that this is uh, something that um, is really going to change the way people perceive uh, overall health and wellness and that kind of thing. So I think this is a great thing that th- these things are getting exposed. A lot of people are changing positions and understanding more about it. I think it's just a lack of education where people have a stigma placed on it because that's what their moms taught them. That's what the, you know, everybody taught them down the line and, and, and they failed to do their own research. So I think where the industry is headed now, we're really seeing um, some things change around uh, specifically with CBD leading the forces, um, you know, without the psychoactive um, properties. uh, I think that really helped us open the door. So I want to get your opinion about it, man. How do you, how do you see CBD like really transforming how people think about health and wellness? Man. um, So I love that you chose the word think, Um, you know, how, how is it changing the way we think and (laughs) perceive cannabis and and I, I actually believe, Gary, that it's a much bigger question. Uh, I, I believe it's how, how do we um, think and believe this plant is going to impact um, wellness on a global level, not just us as individuals or a vet with PTSD or an overworked, you know, high ex- an executive mom or um, those people, but how, how is this going to impact um, society on a global level? So the, I think the biggest thing is that this isn't a cannabis problem. This isn't a legal problem. This isn't um, a congressional issue. This isn't um, a municipal issue. This isn't a matter of, of does your city have a site and release program or this isn't any of those. This is a human issue. And it's my contention that we're missing the boat, that we're, we are so um, there are so many people out there leading a great fight in Congress and legislation and, you know, beating the drum and and um, and and the sit ins and the walkouts and these things. But the thing is, is that's not the problem. The problem is that the, the core of what cannabis and CBD and medical marijuana and um, I'll even stretch this and say, you know, recreational marijuana is this is a human issue. This has been withheld from us as human beings um, for, for too long. And how right. will this impact uh, the world? Well, you know, we can easily point to our health and well-being. Uh, you know, I, as a consumer of CBD mm-hmm. myself, I have I have experienced the um the physical impact that it's had on my day-to-day existence but think about the economies it's going to impact think about the roads that will get fixed the schools the um the other issues that we have been fighting for how how the legalization and um, of, of marijuana and just the expansion of cbd is going to impact economies and so uh, it's it's a massive issue and we can't ignore it anymore. We just we cannot logically ignore um, this this cannabis movement any longer at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and, and like I said, I think that um, a lot of people are really, truly waking up as more and more states become legal. A lot of um, celebrity endorsement, people who have uh, testimonies like yourself, um, who have used it successfully to uh, cure many things. And uh, specifically with the FDA just approving the first um, CBD based uh, pharmaceutical prescription drug. I think it's called Epilex for people with epilepsy. Uh, there's a lot of lot of lot of great things happening in the space. So I, I'm I'm really looking forward to 2019, specifically with the farm bill just passed. Uh, for all of you who don't uh, know, last week, December 18th or something like that, they passed the farm bill. Trump signed off and pretty much legalized uh, all hemp um, agricultural growing as well as hemp derivatives uh, products, which CBD is. Of course, that. So there's some huge stuff coming down the pipes. I'm really looking forward to 2019. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, Rick. I want to jump into some of your business background because I know you're doing some super exciting things right now, particularly with Think Botanicals, your company, your CBD company. I want you to talk to me a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what that is, what you're doing with it. What's the vision for that company? Yes, I, I appreciate that, Gary. So, and um, you know, Think Botanicals uh, is is it's our answer. It's that's what it is. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge the listeners out there uh, who who think that they want to get into the CBD industry or the marijuana industry uh, to reframe that to that thought and really consider the reasons why. 
So what we're doing at Think Botanicals is we are we are we started a movement. Uh, we we started a mm-hmm. movement and we call it uh, the movement towards global wellness or super wellness. And it just so happens that the product we sell is a can is a derivative of cannabis. So in other words, we're flipping the script. We're not saying we're a CBD company. We're saying we are a wellness movement. And it just so happens we have a fantastic line of um, premium, high quality CBD um, uh, offerings on our website. So I want to challenge all the listeners that if it's ever something right. you've considered or thought about to flip the script and start with the reason why you're doing what you do. And um, Gary, the essence of what we do is we're scaling compassion. So, um, right. um, and it has nothing to do with me being a nurse, nothing to do with me being a compassionate human being or that I'm Hispanic and I have, you know, I'm, I'm naturally just a passionate guy, nothing. What it has to do with is how we want to impact the world and how can mm. we do that in such a way that um, it matters. And so we're a company that scales compassion. We're a company that started a movement. So Think Botanicals is we are um, on track to unleashing a global phenomenon which will impact wellness. And we do that with CBD products. And um, to get a little more granular, one of the cool things we did is rather than just um, – um, nothing wrong with this. Rather than just private labeling or white labeling or any of those, we are as close to a vertically integrated CBD company as can be. So we manufacture, mm. we produce, um, we distribute, have our own distribution line. And then, of course, we have a rapidly growing retail footprint um, as as of 2019 that will be an even bigger footprint. But um, very close to a seed-to-sale um, CBD operation. Not quite, but close. Right. That's excellent. That is excellent. I mean, get in. I mean, for the listeners and there's a lot of people who want to get into the CBD space. And I love the way that you phrase that by saying, you know, let's put the result ahead um, and, and build a movement of why, you know, you want to um, leverage the power of of cannabis for your personal benefit. So I really like the fact that you're, you, you, you've done that. I think there's definitely um, a need for people to change the way that they are approaching this whole thing. So I love that. But uh, you mentioned that um, you were building out the uh, building out your company. And by doing this, you said you were you started the whole fully integrated aspect. A lot of people want to get into the business. They don't really know how. How did you start? What, did, how, what made you think of all of that? And how did you put the pieces of the puzzle together to say, oh, I'm going to do this from seed to sale? You know, how did you start there? Yeah, that's that's another great question, man. I'm 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 digging your uh, your Q and A because you're you're making me think about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> uh, and and I, I think this this lesson, what I'm about to share, it, it works. It, it's it's valid for any type of entrepreneur. Um, in fact, you don't even have to be an entrepreneur to consider what I'm about to say, uh, and especially not in the cannabis world. But uh, simply put, begin with the end in mind. Um, mm-hmm. whatever. And to reframe it, to make it sound more sensical to the everyday listener is when, whenever, when you plan, for, when one plans for a trip, say from Jersey to Texas, um, say if you were going to plan for a trip, Gary, to come to Texas next week, you would, um, you begin with the end in mind. I want to go to Texas. And right. then you re- one reverse engineers everything that has to happen. What's the weather like? What, what hotel? Am I going to see Rick? Are we going to have a beer? What kind of beer? How much will the beer cost? Should I take my family? In other words, we have all these micro steps. So now apply that same theory to um, a startup or to an idea you have. Begin with the end in mind. So right. could we have just launched a CBD a company with an e-commerce site? Sure. Easy, easily. And, and, and you mm-hmm. know as well as I do, it can be easily done. Um, mm-hmm. but that wasn't enough. It's not, it didn't fit what, um, what we wanted. I say we, my wife and I, um, what we as a couple wanted to do, um, in this industry. And then we thought, well, uh, do we want to maybe move to Oregon as an example and, you know, become farmers? And it's like, well, that still wouldn't do it. So we, we began with the end in mind, Gary. It's like, what do we really see ourselves as having accomplished in 2030? Right. And, and then what, and then here's what I really compel people to do. Put, turn everything off, sit down with yourself, um, or your spouse or however you process best, crack a beer or wine or seltzer water, whatever, get a cigar or get a joint, whatever, and then reverse engineer it. Like actually consider if in 2030 is, um, if in 2030 you are at the destination, um, what is the destination? 
And then what is it going to take to do to start doing today so that in 10 years or in <clears throat> whatever that time frame is, right. we reached it. And so we thought, I kind of would love to have like a seed to sale operation. And mm. it sounds like a very big thing. Don't get me wrong. It's a very, very big thing. And it, mm. that alone will scare 99% of the people away. Right, right. But here, here's what we did, Gary. And again, this is I'm no, I'm no different than anybody else out there. We thought, okay, it's a very big thing. And no, I can't do that by myself. But what resources are at my disposal or our disposal so that we can accomplish that? Mm-hmm. And as we started putting each little block in place, you know, figuratively put each block in place, what we realized is we were really one degree of separation away from a seed to sale operation. And it was not magic, but the pieces um, fell into place logically. And uh, it's it's been months. Don't get me wrong; it didn't happen overnight. It's been a very it's been months and months of planning, of learning, of doing, of lawyers, of attorneys, of all these things, of teams, of structure. Right. But I can say today, because we just did a photo shoot, that we have a manufacturing facility, we have a distribution network, and we have four locations as I'm talking that are open for business in San Antonio right now with three more on the way. So it came to life, in other words. Right. That that is that is impressive, Rick. I mean to pull all of those pieces together, uh, like you said, to not just go the common route, uh, throw up an e-commerce site, you know, resell other products, but actually go towards producing your own, overseeing the entire process. Um that's really where it's at. And that's where I really think that the industry is going uh, more so is the ability for people to take these things, put their spins on them, make it the way that they want to see it be uh, happen and, and, and fill some of the gaps within the industry. So I really commend you guys for doing that. Um, and, and a valuable lesson that you just mentioned to the listeners as well is utilizing your resources, as Rick just said. He said, it wasn't just me just doing it. It wasn't me just coming up with it. I realized that I had a network of individuals that I could depend on. Um, That's something that we preach consistently. Utilize your resources. Don't become an island. If you put yourself out there and you really start to search and when you put your mind towards it, you realize that many things are in, uh, like you said, arm's length and you can accomplish these things. Don't look at it as one big overwhelming task, but break it down into small subtasks so that you can knock it out. So that's great, Rick. You guys have done that, man. That's an impressive thing. Three locations open already. More coming on the way own a manufacturing uh, facility. And I want to talk to you about that because I know you were doing the photo shoot yesterday. You had a lot going on in there, um, getting things together. What made you say that I'm going to do a lab versus farming it out to a third party? Now that's still building your own product, but most people would, you know, the um, uh, easier step rather would be, let me uh, go to a third party, white label something or, you know, get a formulator to take a base and then maybe add a couple things. You chose to dive right into the most challenging, I would say, um, angle. So what made you do that? And what do you see the benefit of doing that for your company? Yeah, that's... um. Uh, that was actually a big consideration of ours, Gary. Is is why 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 the heck do we want to put the this amount of resources into a manufacturing facility and everything that goes into it, from employees mm-hmm. to equipment to I mean, you name it. And um, again, and, uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I said. Is is then we broke down each piece of our operation, you know, production, distribution, and retail, and we realized that you know, can we can we support our mission of global wellness of think in every household and still maintain a high level of quality with a simple retail operation? And the answer is yes, mm-hmm. we could absolutely do that. Okay. Then it's like, can we uh, um, adhere to the think vision mission and our values um, if we did retail and a distribution? And the answer was, yeah, we could do that. And then we thought, can, if we decided to, to build a manufacturing facility and to outfit it and to bring on staff and chemists, can we still adhere to our mission, vision, values and our long-term vision of, of the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal of Think Botanicals doing all three? And we realized that, mm-hmm. yes, we could, we can. And when we kind of started putting the pieces together, uh, we realized that what it offered us was an unprecedented level of QA and QC control, quality control. Uh, because mm. even though we're not growing uh, our own product, we, we import from, we currently um, source from Oregon and from Colorado, 
we we still have an extremely high level of um, of quality that we expect, and of course, all the traditional lab testing. But that was the re- the reason was is was those can we do it and still right. adhere to our mission, vision, values, and long term goal? But more than that is is um, we were looking for a competitive advantage, and and right. it's it's becoming more difficult to find in the industry as it's becoming more popular. And so um, that's just the, the, that's just the frank truth. Can we do it and adhere to our vision values? And will this give us a distinct competitive advantage? And both answers were green light, green light. And we thought we, we can't then go back. We have to do this because um, it will put us in a whole different uh, on, on, if I'm again, honestly, there's not many people who are doing what we're doing. There, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of people who right. are doing this. And so we have a very, very distinct advantage. And I just gave away a, a huge trade secret there is, um, um, it's, it's one of the big reasons why is it's winning. This is business and it's, it's right. ultimately it's winning and doing things that the other person cannot do or, or is afraid to do. So those are the right. two reasons mission, vision, values and, can we do it and adhere to them? And will this give us a distinct advantage? And yes, and yes. So it was full steam ahead. Exactly. And that's uh, also something that I'm always preaching to a ton of our clients is uh, build out something where you um, where it's difficult. Yes, on purpose, because that creates the barrier to entry. We want that to be difficult and looked at as something that most people won't try to tackle uh, that builds a fence around what you are building as an entity so that, you know, that mindset is, is, is the perfect way to, um, you know, go about it. Um, and, and being able to control and being able to put that quality control and make something exactly the way you want it. Again, a huge distinct advantage that you have over competition because they can't pivot. Now you can adjust things, even if you start one thing, see something, get client feedback, customer feedback, patient feedback, and then you can make the adjustment because you have the control. So I commend you guys for doing that as well, Rick. That was super smart business move, man. I want to ask you another question. What did you, from building that lab, and I know you're still like at the latter part of it, I guess you guys are almost done, right? Are you done or you still got a couple little things left to pump it out? Oh no. So we, we ha- we're manufacturing. We are, we are pumping um, products off the line. Like as, as we speak right now there, oh, wow. yeah, no, wow. it, is, it is full blown production right now. We have, um, I want to say 10,000 uh, bottle a day capacity if, if all we did was tinctures. And so, um, no, we're, we're, wow. we're blowing and going. That is beautiful. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you learned from in building the lab? So, you know, some people who want to go into it, maybe they want to, they're scared. What would you say what you don't want to do? The lessons that you learned, you said, oh, this was bad. I won't do that again. You know, give me anything that you learned along the way. That's a good question. Um, there's a few things. Um, so there, something comes to mind. It's not necessarily bad or a lesson learned, but it's, it was a realization. And, um, now that we've established kind of this, this pseudo seed to sale operation and we're, we are producing product, we're distributing across the country. And now we sell it in our retail locations. The biggest thing I realized was I have nobody to blame. Um, and mm-hmm. what I mean by, what I mean by that is this is, is if, is if, um, is if I had chosen to do a private label or white label route and there was a, a, a bottle that was mislabeled or a product that didn't look the right color, I could go and blame somebody. I could say, you know, let me, let me get back to my manufacturer and figure this out. And mm-hmm. I can't do that now. And not that I would, but now because we've put our line in the sand and planted our flag, it's, it's all us. Like, uh, I, and as the CEO of this, of this organization, Truly, it's not just the organization. It's me. Like the buck stops with me. So if somebody right. says, Rick, why does this tincture look a different shade than this tincture? And you guys are the, the, the seed to sale people. Uh, I better have an answer. And right. so the realization was that, holy guacamole, Gary, I like, <laughs> I, I have nobody. It is like all on us. And um, right. as the face of the organization, um, it's become a, it's become a bigger, um, responsibility and privilege than I ever imagined, honestly. And that was a huge realization for me. Right, right. And I know that had to feel good and scary at the same time, because, you know, like, you know, like you said, it's all on your shoulders at this point. But at the same time, you're saying 
it puts the fire under your pants to make sure that all the ducks are in the row because you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. And you are, um, you know, everything from the sea to the sail is all dependent on what you have um, orchestrated. So I, I think that that's a really great thing. I, again, I commend you for attacking that in such a way. Like you said, there's very few who are probably uh, who are doing it the way you are doing it and changing the game with controlling all of the parts. Now, how was it very costly? Let's let's talk about expense of going and building a lab versus uh, using third party white labeling, this kind of thing, where there's a huge difference between cost. And was that a factor in your decision making process when you started to go down this route? It was. Um, and I'm actually taking notes because your questions are really, really good. And <laughs> thank you, are- man. These are really, really good questions. The, your questions are, are each its own episode, if you ask me. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, so um, the the things we considered were were well beyond, you know, fi- finances. It was well, don't get me wrong, the fi- you know, financial um, implications are without a doubt a huge piece. I mean, in order to, to buy equipment and to hire staff, I mean, you, you got to have money. You can't do that on a promise. Essentially, mm-hmm. you can't. So... We had to consider that, but beyond the actual financial piece was all the other things that go into creating, uh, starting a business. And the most important is, is your energy. Uh, you know, it's not just about time and money. It's about energy. And we realized that, okay, so if we can line up the finances, you know, and there's a lot of money out there, by the way, for any, there's a lot of angel investments and, and private money and, um, not necessarily venture capital right now, but because it's still on a federally illegal status, but, there, right. there are a lot of private investors and angel groups out there that will, that are ready, willing, and able to stroke checks for um, a well thought um, organization, thought through organization. But mm-hmm. it wasn't just about the money. And, and I say this to be just very transparent. And um, I don't say, I don't say things to, um, uh, to impress people, but really to impress upon them that this is the truth. But raising the money was, we didn't think was going to be an issue for us. We, we would go out and we would do a pitch deck. And if we needed to go out and raise the funds, but it was more the energy, you know, mm-hmm. it was knowing we were knowing that we were going to be able to meet the financial requirements. It was like, are we going to be able to physically do this? You know, right. there's a small, there's only a small team. There's, there's like, if I told you that there's only a handful, like not even a handful of partners running this organization, you probably, um, um, you know, have to go uh, change your shorts right now. But, <laughs> right. But, um, I mean, we do have like about, I think currently 10 employees running our shops, but nice. it, it was beyond just the money part. So, uh, but it, it should be considered because, you know, once you buy the equipment or hire the staff and do these things, um, you're, you're all in, you know, there, right. there are now people who are dependent upon you to live up to the promise you made when you said, this is the vision we've set. Let's go get it. Hmm. Right. Right. That that is that is a uh, profound man. And that that's that's such a lesson. I mean, I, I love doing these interviews, not just for the listeners, but I, I'm like a kid in the candy store as well, learning from all of the great information that uh, Rick is sharing with us today. Um, and that's just really great. Now, let me ask you a little uh, a question about investment dollars and about putting together a plan. And that's a big thing that a lot of people also uh, intimidates them. It creates this analysis paralysis. They can't move and do once they know they got to put this plan together. How difficult was it putting the plan together? And what would you say were the most important components that made it successful in terms of you uh, getting ac- uh, acquiring partners, investors and everybody else's buy in? Another good question. So, um, if by plan you, one is referring to a business plan, I, I'm just going to just, uh, we did not do that. Uh, I, I'm not a believer in these long, lengthy business plans. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and there's a few reasons. So, I, I, one of the things I shared was that you know, I've been involved in, in some angel investments and um, I've heard, I've been privy to hearing a lot of pitches from a lot of startups and entrepreneurs, and not just in cannabis, but in a variety of industries. And um, folks who are looking for to you know raise a Series A or looking for an angel investment, um, some of them are thirty thousand to fifty thousand. Some of them are looking for millions and you know to raise. And what, one of the things I've learned, you know, becoming an investor and and part of, I'm actually part of an angel group here in San Antonio was that there are essentially two types of investors. And and um, there's there's one type who they want to see forecasts, they want to see performers, they want to see projections, they want to see the paperwork and the things because maybe they're more the analytical type. And then there's the other ones who 
invest in the team and the vision. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm on that side of the fence. I've always been the type of person who, um, I can cast the vision. I can paint the vision. I can step up and, and I can compel folks to, to believe in the vision. And so the only missing piece for me was beyond believing is then I had to compel them again to break out a checkbook. And, um, it's something that can be learned, but it's something, Gary, that I've always had a natural tendency to do, get up and speak and cast a vision. Right. And, um, and then we did it before, uh, when we had, when we had our first company years and years ago is I had to go raise money and I had nothing. I, I literally, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm not being self-deprecating per se for the sake of the story, but you know, I was, I was born in East Los Angeles, um, Hispanic family, um, grandparents were immigrants. So, you know, and we all have a story per se, but mm-hmm. the story didn't define me. What defined me was my belief that there's more out there. So when we were looking to raise money years ago for our first operation, um, I didn't have all the things that investor A was going to be looking for. I didn't. All I had was guts and drive and determination and the gift of being able to paint a compelling vision. And we received investments and we scaled that company to well over eight figures, 600 employees, 19 offices. And that's the company we sold, you know, four years ago. So, um, it's a, it's a big question and I, I hate to leave it kind of hanging, but, um, that's, I guess that's my story. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) But you hear what he said, guys, again, listeners, you hear, Business plans, right? It's not about a plan all the time. Sometimes, like you said, it is a, it is about the specifics and you have different types of investors who demand that type of stuff. But nowadays it's more about a pitch deck. It's more about the vision. It's more about the team. And I think everybody's getting a lot more familiar with it since the Shark Tank has become a household installation and, and people are seeing it more from a perspective of pitching your vision. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've all felt like that's all of us entrepreneurs over the past decade or so. We're like, who's got a business plan? We all look at each other and say, I never, I never wrote a business plan. We just kind of started the business. You put together a structure, a framework. Um, but things change so rapidly being an entrepreneur that you have to be prepared to pivot. And these business plans are kind of old school for bigger type entities. If you're a bigger entity, you might need that, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, being an entrepreneur in, in today's age requires flexibility, requires you to be able to change on a dime. So uh, that's a great lesson that you put out there as well, Rick. Um, I guess my next question for you is uh, once you were able to uh, get the um, uh, investor buying, get everything set up with what you were going to do, um, how long did it take you to go from that part to getting everything ready and rocking and rolling where you have it right now. What, what was the time frames look like? Let's see. Um, to, to the extent that we are net, we now have retail locations and, and I, I will be, I will also share that um, initially our plan was not to have a national footprint, a retail footprint. Our plan was to just have one or two retail outlets here. Um, so that was our mm-hmm. initial thought because we thought, well, if everybody else is having successes and we already have this vertical kind of build out we're doing. Um, so our plan initially was not to get to where we are today. It's actually this, our vision today is actually morphed. It's grown. If I could say, if I could be honest. So, uh, but right. if I was to put a time frame on it, uh, from getting the lab up and running to, to tooling up and be able to produce our CBD and then, um, purchasing the raw thing. If I was to put a time frame, um, even though it sounds rather quick, um, it probably, if I, if, if we had been working nonstop 24 seven, 365, it probably took us the equivalent, um, of maybe 10 people working for 90 days straight. And I know that may not make mm-hmm. a lot of sense, but it's, it's hard to say because the lab was up. We, we were already distributing and producing some products. And then we realized we should have our own distribution. So the distribution piece actually came into, came to life within, right. within the last, what's today? Today's the end of December in the last few weeks, honestly. Mm-hmm. And we are about to close several six figure deals on that alone. And the retail part, uh, kind of went hand in hand when we were considering distribution. And one of our team members, um, actually one of, one of the, our partners, is his job was to go out um, and find find the leases, find the prime real estate, find 
do the demographic searches, sign the leases, get them going, do the build outs. And we did, we opened up four stores all within one week. I, sh- I shit you not. Wow. I, we, wow. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. And part of our, but I'm, again, part of when I came on board as CEO, my vision was this, and I, and I'm very open with this is our theme for the next 12 months is shock and awe. And, mm. and we are living shock and awe. Everything we do, we're doing so that when people look at Think Botanicals, they're going to go, what the heck just happened? So, right. Um, so when I say we opened up the stores pretty rapidly, we already had our, um, our interior designs done. We already knew what our build out was going to look like. We already knew where our shelves were going to go. So it was a matter of lease assigned, um, furniture was shipped. Point of sales dropped in, internet set up. This, it was, in other words, it was already pre-planned step by step by step. So when we pulled the trigger, it was like check signed, lease signed, build it out, go. Check signed, lease signed, wow. build it out, go. And then of Man. course, then of course, Gary, there's all been, uh, it's like, well, how the hell did you hire all these people? That was also moving at the same time, the whole hiring process, onboarding. So it was a, a, a lot of moving parts. Like, a, a, oh yeah, a lot, a machine. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, that that is a lot, Rick, for sure, for you to do at and open them all at the same time within the same week. That is amazing, and that comes with some pretty. Um, I guess uh, your background in the service uh, helps you with the organizational skills as well as your wife, because we all know that the females always trump us guys when it comes to organization and putting things together. But that was crazy impressive, man, that you were able to do all of that. I got another question for you. Now, you doing this again, thinking about all of this and what you've done and people thinking about getting into it. Um, the CBD arena has a dizzying amount of product types. It gets insane sometimes when I look at it and I say, what's this? What's that? What's this? Oh, you got to learn a whole new language. How were you able to um, get your hands around? I know you have more experience because you were using it personally, you were into it. But when it comes to putting together your store and you have to make decisions about not just what you like, but what is going to be sold or what people want or what people want to buy, what their preferences are. There's a lot of consideration. So talk to us a little bit about how you guys went through that process. What went into that? Good one. I'm writing that down too. So <laughs> if I understood the, the question, the essence is, is basically, so we have four locations with more, with more hit, hitting the, the ground here soon is how do we determine the kind of the product mix that goes into each store or. Right. Absolutely. How do you determine the product mix? How do you determine what's, uh, you know, is it based off of what you know is going to sell? Is it based off of what you want? Is it based off of, you know, there's a lot of things. There's different types of products. There's soaps, there's lotions, there's this, there's that. You know, where do you, where does someone who's looking to start this, how do they go into it? But I would just, I guess, tell us your process of what you guys did to make that product selection. Gotcha. Yeah. Now this, this is where it gets interesting because, uh, you know, if, if we were opening up a Seven Eleven or opening up um, a, a Target or or whatever, there's there's um, there's historical data. Like you'd be able to point to other retail centers like those, or even a you know uh, even the traditional franchise model. You would have right. all those things ready. They'd say, okay, in, in this type of demographic, here's your product um, matrix. That doesn't exist in CBD. That doesn't exist in cannabis because. There has never been cannabis or CBD shops ever before, let alone mm. CBD this available. So the truth is, is we're testing. We're literally testing because we have no historical data to choose from. We have no, there, if, if there had been a slew of CBD shops over the last decade, then we could pick and choose. We could go shop them. We could go see what they're doing. So right. some of the things we're doing now, Gary, is, uh, is I'm involved in a lot of groups, um, both in mm. the cannabis world and not. And I tap into them and um, other, I have friends in the industry, right. let me put it simple way. I have friends in the industry. And so I'll ask them, what's, what's the hot seller at your store or what's the hottest sellers at on your retail, your, I'm sorry, your e-commerce site. And I started to see trends. Um, like right now there's um, some of the hottest sellers are um, pre-rolls, hemp pre-rolls and mm. the flat, the flower. They, these are hot sellers. So we're like, okay, so if they're moving, uh, you know, generally around, the, you know, pretty much everywhere, let's drop them in our stores because right. they're selling. And sure enough, they are our hottest sellers. Um, a, a, another part is, is I look towards our demographics. So our four locations here in San Antonio are in different parts of town. One of them 
is near a military base, um, Lackland Air Force Base. And in mm-hmm. fact, it's right outside the gates. And one, another one is at, you know, on the flip side is in a very, um, wealthy demographic. It's in a wealthy zip code here in San Antonio. They have a lot of disposable income. So that plays a role as well. Um, for instance, mm-hmm. out by the base, we have a lot less full spectrum or broad spectrum products because uh, we just, I don't want to jeopardize any military member or law enforcement by a full spectrum. So we have a lot more isolate stock there than we do say at our, um, what we call our 09 location, which is Alamo Heights. Alamo Heights, it also happens to be across from a university. So we stock extra flour and pre-rolls there because it's actually my alma mater. It gets flooded yeah. with university students and it's, there's the whole hemp cool factor. So they're buying pre-roll. So right. the truth is, is we're learning as we go what's selling. But the truth behind the truth, Gary, is that mm. almost everything is selling. Wow. That's the truth. Wow. Yeah, everything. Gracious. CBD's on the move. Think Botanicals leading the forces. That's what I'm talking about, Rick. I mean, you said some important stuff, man, about, you know, not knowing. And, and I, for the listeners, I want you to take note of what he said in terms of um, what do I know? I'm testing it. I have to test. That's the marketer in me. I'm, I'm a marketer by trade. And that's something that we do as marketing. It doesn't matter what we're doing. Even when we think we know, even when we're following another model, he had no model to follow. We're still going to test everything. We're still going to break every rule. We're going to try everything outlandish to see if we can beat our conversion ratio for the last thing we did. And that's what we constantly do. A, B split taste of multivariate split testing. And that's what Rick's doing on the fly in a physical location. Um, testing these products to see what's what, but he's just uh, telling us he's in a great position where everything is moving. I mean, the second thing that he really said was really uh, a great takeaway was how he adjusted his product mix based off of the surrounding demographics. That's something that we use consistently online. We are always looking and basing things off of our personas, our avatars that we build out that we know that these are the type of people who are buying the demographics in the area. But when you're doing it in a physical location, he's changing the product based off of what he knows about his area. So that is, again, a really great way of applying a lot of what we do online, taking it offline. So again, Rick, you're doing a tremendous job, man. I, I just got so much to ask. We're going to have to break this in like four parts, man. But I, I'm going to let you go in a minute because it's so much good information. Um, I wanted to ask you about what you're doing now uh, with the fr- – are you franchising these op- – are you giving these opportunities? Because you're doing all the testing. You're figuring all the stuff out. You got the uh, manufacturing facility going. You're producing better product. Can other people get an opportunity if they want to uh, get in business with you some capacity? Maybe it's contract manufacturing. Maybe it's a franchise. Tell us more about how other people can get involved with what you're doing. Yeah, so um, I- I'm very I'm very open door. Uh, open book, um, open a lot of things. And I, I'm also super accessible uh, via a lot of channels, whether it's on our site, thinkbotanicals.com. Um, currently, all of the information, most of the email um, inquiries come directly to me, especially the franchise portion. So there's a variety of ways that we're looking to involve other interested people, whether they're a manufacturer, whether they're, they have a cool CBD product, or whether they're interested in opening up a brick and mortar location. So variety of ways. So the simple way is um, they can reach out through the website. And that's just the easiest way. So here's, let me just break it down even further. If somebody's looking to open up a retail location, um, at, as we record this, Gary, we have not fine-tuned, um, put the cross the T's and dotted I's on our franchise model. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we may... Um, we may uh, decide to roll forward with the corporate-owned structure right now. We, I, what I'm saying was, is that our franchise model has not been solidified yet. Right. But we are opening up corporate-owned locations pretty rapidly now. On the flip side is if somebody's interested and in, I mean, we're, we are going to have a lot of shelf space. I mean, that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. We have retail locations. And as such, um, we do we do entertain other companies who are interested in having um, putting, you know, selling their products, right. they, they need an outlet. And so if somebody has a CBD product and they have a great marketing plan and they have, um, they have chops behind their product, then by all means, and we've already been approached by a lot of companies who are saying, Hey, we see you guys are growing. How do we get on your shelves? And that's one way. Right. Um, the other way is, um, of, of, you know, if somebody's just interested, they're kind of curious. Um, I'm always open to talk to people as long, honestly, as long as they've done some homework. Right. 
And, and what I mean by that is, as you're probably aware of this as well, Gary, is people want to have coffee or pick your brain. Mm-hmm. And then when you sit down with them, they say, so what is CBD? <laughs> and it's like, right. and it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, all, I, all I'm saying is with love and respect is if that's your first question, um, you need to do something. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So what, what is CBD? I'm like, oh, yeah, I, <laughs> right. I, I look at them like, oh, say so go back to the drawing board first and then come back before you waste all this time. And, yeah. I was like, oh, and, my God. I'm telling you. And that's a life lesson. That's something else that I would have shared that I learned from uh, the entertainment industry. I was an audio engineer, right? And for many years coming out of college and I wanted to learn of course, how to engineer. And we were engineering some of the biggest hip hop albums and records back then and stuff like that. But I was an intern at the time trying to get up to the point of assistant engineer and that kind of thing. And I would ask the engineers questions. And when you first come in, you're all green. And I would ask them basic questions. Whenever I asked them basic questions, they would brush me off, say, get out of here, intern, go, go to the store, buy me some beer, get me some cigarettes and come back. But then after I started to do the research and I started digging to the manuals and then I started presenting questions where they, it made them think at that point, they dropped all their guards. They had a new found respect for uh, for me and they started to tell me and open up and tell me everything because they say this guy's learning. He's a self-learner. He's going to do it whether I tell him or not. So let me help somebody who's really motivated to learn. And so that's a great lesson. Whenever you have a mentor, whenever you have anybody else that you're getting information from, make sure you do your due diligence, study that thing well before you go in because making them think is something that they'll have a greater respect for you and they will be much more open into helping you and much more passionate in helping. It's fun for them to make them, uh, you know, think just like you said, Rick, you said some of my questions are making you think. And when it all makes us think, it makes us go into another component to say, I just learned something about my own self. I didn't even know, you know, so it's good. It's good thing. So that's really great. I'm not going to hold you too much longer, Rick. I'm going to pop one more question on you. Uh, one or two more on you, and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, you mentioned the distribution channel. Many people might not know what that is. Talk about what that is. What do you mean by distribution channel? So, um, so I'll give you a real time example. So today, um, literally today, this afternoon, well, actually late this morning, we had a meeting, and this is with an entrepreneur uh, who is looking to start his own line of of CBD products, and so. Uh, he he was a he was about to go to, uh, I think Colorado or somewhere, and he was going to be set up at the private label, and then they were going to help him with fulfillment and all that. Um, so, so one part of what we do with with the distribution is we will help somebody with their private labeling because in in our manufacturing facility we have our own printers, our own. Um, each printer was like ten fifteen thousand dollars, so we have our own artists, we have our own printers, so we can help somebody get from. Um, into um, product retail or, or wholesale pretty rapidly. But on the right. other side of what the distribution is, is we also, um, since we do some private labeling for some companies, uh, and we also have our own product line, Think Botanicals, uh, we, we not only want to have our own retail footprint, but we would love for other people to carry our products. So right. um, our distribution folks, simply what they do is they will help people get private labeled and we will use our products, our lines, our facility to push out their product. And we also actively go out and solicit um, brick and mortar or other operations who want to carry our line. So right. We, so when I say distribution, it's kind of a, it's a really big, broad word, but basically what that means is we want to get more of our product under more shelves, right. um, quality, quality shelves. And like we, like we won't, we will not go look for um, head shops or the traditional um, smoke shops. It's just not, it's not our demographic. It's not, it's not where we want to be positioned, Right. Um, but, but we have active sales um, channels out there that are looking for shelf space, quality shelf space and, um, we will also entertain people who want to come in and private label um, with some of our products. Excellent. Excellent. That's great news for all you guys out there looking to get your CBD products going um, with a very low overhead. Rick, uh, he's got you, man, with a, a phenomenal facility um, with experience with superior ingredients and all that good stuff. So definitely reach out to him. We're going to get you contact. There's one question I did forget that you had mentioned. Like you said, you 
we're also open to putting other products on your shelves. And I know there's tons of people out there looking to build out a CBD product. What would you say? Like, what are you looking for? What types of products would really catch your eye right now that you would say if somebody came to me and they had this, I would probably catch my attention a little bit more than some of the other stuff. Is there anything in particular that uh, that stands out right now? That's that's another good question. So I, I think um, what what we're looking for, if I if I'm to say what am I looking for, I'm I'm looking for first the business, uh, and what I mean by that, what I mean by that is, sorry about that. I think I heard a ringing. Maybe it was my ears. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> what I mean by that is there's a lot of CBD products um, popping up. There there um, people who are creating their own bombs, their own rubs, and their own things. And I'm not saying we're going to exclude those folks, but what I'm really looking for is somebody who has a business. In other mm-hmm. words, they have a marketing plan. They have a plan to scale and sell and um, that they can handle, um, especially potential um, large orders. You know, right. you know, we might order at, for one of our stores 200 units at, in, you know, a week. And that could mean 800. Then you multiply that times four and then potentially times 10. So... That's the first thing I look for is, are they a business? And all that goes into that. The second mm. thing, and as important, is um, I, I try the product. Like I, I will right. actually use it and it's got to taste good, smell good, feel good. It's got to be something good and it's got to it's work. And then obviously right. beyond that, the tertiary things are, you know, does it have the certificates of analysis? Has it been verified? Has it been vetted? Is it quality and those things? But um, first thing is, is the, is the entrepreneur who's approaching us or the, or the business, is it actually a business or is it mm-hmm. somebody who's producing something in their garage? Nothing wrong with that. Um, right. and second is the product something that, um, is, does it taste good, feel good, smell good. And the, th- right. I would say the third thing is, is it a hot mover? Like, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I'm seeing right now, at least from my perspective, um, I just, I asked some friends is, um, hemp or CBD infused protein powders. And mm. that's, that seems to be a hot commodity right now. Right, right. Wow. That's a, that's a golden nugget again for all you guys, all you listeners. Rick is giving you some golden nuggets. I mean, on a platter telling you what's hot, what's working, what's out there. I want to ask another quick question. How much have you seen? And I know you guys are just getting going with the retail operation, but you're also learning. I know you're very attentive to, to these details. How much have you seen that packaging has, um, an impact? How much impact does packaging design have with some of these products? Oh man, that's another good one. For me, um, mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. and I say that because where we position ourselves at Think is, um, you know, our, 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 our layouts are wood and, and metal and we have, um, artwork on the walls. And so it has a very, um, it's, it's a place you would not be embarrassed to bring your mom into, for instance, mm-hmm. our, our, our shops. So. That being said is, um, I, I will not bring in a product that has a very bold marijuana leaf on the cover. That's just not, uh, that's unless it's, it's got to like, it would have to be something that is very, that's so unique that I can't avoid it. But what right. we're trying to avoid is, um, this, I heard somebody say this. I heard this phrase say, so I'm just going to repeat this and I don't want to mm-hmm. offend anybody, but we, we don't want to be the shop that has bongs and dongs. that's it if i I could summarize it um we are not the bongs and dong shop and exactly yeah i I want somebody's mom to feel comfortable and i I want them we literally had a mom bring her mom in um and to the shop and they sat down and we have we have tv screens with advertisements going on and there's you know there's useful information and um, right she was comfortable now again if, if it was a bong and dong shop it would probably not uh, I would not be doing what I'm doing if this was that type of organization. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not our model. So I'm looking for class. Right. Class, right. class is what I, I guess the word. Absolutely. 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 That is great, Rick. I'm going to ask you one more, man, and I'm going to let you go. Listen, this is a really good one, and I'm going to really make you think on this one. <laughs> <laughs> for someone looking to get into the business, right? And what would you say 
is some of the lowest hanging fruit, the gaps in the industry. What have you seen? Because you've done a lot of consulting. You deal with a lot of different companies. I'm always looking for this as a marketer. We're always trying to find that one thing that um, is being ignored. That's a huge problem. We're always trying to find problems as marketers because we know that's where the money at, where the money's at when we can solve a problem, a big problem. What problem have you seen in the industry through all your experiences or anything else out there? Any other um, ancillary types of companies, services, something that's being overlooked that you feel is some low hanging fruit that nobody's really tapped into yet? That is good. That is a, a provocative question. Um, <laughs> uh, let, let me see. Here's here's kind of what I believe is I as Anybody who's has considered getting into the industry, whether it's marijuana, hemp, CBD, whatever, just in the cannabis industry, I, I think that I, in, in my experience, that feel I feel like there's been this um, this drive towards either being a grower or a retail operator, the traditional things. And uh, in fact, people always say, "How do you do that in Texas?" And, and because they're assuming we're growing marijuana or selling marijuana, and we're doing none of that. And the first thing I'll ask, I'll ask people is when they say there's an interest is I'll ask them about their background. Like, what are you, what are you really good at? What are you mm-hmm. good at? What do, what do people come to you for? And, and further, what have you been good at? People come to you for and you've made money doing. And if somebody says, well, I've been a real good, I've been a, one of the best business coaches around and I, I'm, I'm a well paid one, but I want to get into cannabis. And I'm like, there's a natural bridge there. In other words, mm-hmm. you don't have to go learn to be a farmer. Um, you can be the best cannabis business coach out there with just a slight pivot. So the low-hanging fruit isn't necessarily what I believe something in the industry. The low-hanging fruit is already in that person. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I got into the industry because a friend called me. He called me because I was an advisor, a mentor, and I've run and launched um, – um, coaching programs for entrepreneurs all over the world. Accelerator, pro- I've done that. Mm-hmm. He called me because he was looking for that kind of advice. And that was my epiphany. I'm like, so I'm going to get into this industry helping somebody build their company. It just happens to be in cannabis. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. that was my low hanging fruit is, is I, I don't want to go be a grower. I don't want to open a dispensary. I don't want to do the things. Um, the low-hanging fruit was to tap into what I'm already good at, knowledgeable at, and I've been paid for in the past. And I would just propose that to folks is maybe you're a great graphic artist mm-hmm. and this industry really, really um, interests you. Um, try to, I would say, start with what you know, what you're good at, what you've been paid to do, and see if you can overlap that um, or meld that into this industry. And I bet the answer is yes. I bet it's yes. Right. Wow. What a gem. What a gem, listeners. I mean, that is... Definitely uh, something that we preach is utilizing your skill sets. How can you apply what you already know, what you're already great at to this industry? And that's what we're seeing a lot of these other, um, uh, you know, business people do. You know, the accountants are now getting into it and they're learning the the variances. But the core of accounting is still core accounting, whether you're applying it to the cannabis industry or not. But then there's some other new things you have to learn to just, you know, kind of ratchet on top of it. But it's a lot easier than, uh, say, a mechanic trying to now be become a, a cannabis accountant and flip to an entirely different skill set. If you already have a skill set, then why not take that ratchet it on top, learn a little bit of a, you know, the lingo and the specialty stuff that goes along with this particular industry and apply it. So that's a great, really, really great tip, Rick, man. This was a interview full of gems, man. We have to really Really give it up for you on this one, man, Rick. I really appreciate you being with us. I need to uh, get one other thing for you. I want you to tell everybody, how can they get in contact with you? And are you available uh, for hire, for consulting and anything else that uh, that you may be able to help that people who want your help? Uh, are, are you available for that? So, um, so two questions you asked. So the first place is the easiest way is they can go to thinkbotanicals.com. And, um, the, the, at this moment, whenever somebody sends an email through the system, uh, I get, I get notified of every single correspondence. Um, uh, the second place, if it's easier, they can hit me up on Instagram. It's my personal page. It's, it's the, the at sign, um, planet boy. So planet boy, that's my personal page. Thinkbotanicals.com is our business page. And the second part of that is for consulting is 
um, that's that's a tricky one, Gary. And the truth is, is that I I never I never close my door. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, um, I I won't say yes by all means. Everybody who needs consulting help, please call me. Um, but I I got to say at this point in time, because of what we're doing with Think and the the this vastness and speed at which we're growing, is I am open for that, and I'm open to, to the right. Um, type of group or person who's seeking consulting. Right. That being said, that being said, if anybody hears this and they're like, "Well, I wonder if I should send them an email," send the email. Right. Send it, <laughs> and and let's let's determine if this is going to be a viable avenue or if I can direct you towards somebody who can better help you and serve you. So, um, my my door's always open. That's the truth. Hey, that's what's up, Rick. That's what's up, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you stopping through to give us such a great interview. Oh, also, guys, Rick is doing a phenomenal giveaway. Uh, he is giving away an ebook that he put together. Um, and this one's titled The Step by Step Guide to Launching Your Cannabis Business Today. It's an exact blueprint on what you're going to need to really get in there. He goes over testing pricing, how to find your niche market. A lot of other great things that you heard him talk about today on the podcast is covered there. Make sure you go to realcannabisentrepreneur.com forward slash Rick to pick up that ebook. And once again, thanks so much, Rick, for stopping by, man. Do you have any other closing remarks for the day? No, Gary, I really appreciate it, man. The, your questions were so, honestly, so provocative. I literally wrote all of them down. And I really appreciate your time and the ability to interact with your listeners and your audience. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you, Rick. Give it up, guys. Give it up for Rick Martinez once again. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. We'll talk to you soon, man. Have a good one. You guys too. Adios. Wow, wow, wow. What a great interview with my man, Rick Martinez. Man, I'm here with my co-host and co-founder, a real cannabis entrepreneur, Marie George. Marie, what's up? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Oh, my goodness. That was such a compelling interview with Rick. He really gave us a one, two, three blueprint on how to get into the CBD world. And I think that we're going to run with that information. And I hope all of you do uh, listening to the podcast. That's right. And we just wanted to thank you all for tuning in. As we mentioned, go pick up a copy of Rick's ebook, man. This is a serious ebook, not a small report, not a thin report. 80, 90 plus pages. It's called Step by Step Guide to Launching Your Cannabis Business Today. Yeah, man. And if you guys are interested in listening to the show notes and listening online, go to www.realcannabisentrepreneur.com forward slash podcast. And all of the links, mentions, and all the information will be on there. And that's right. If you guys haven't heard, we have also built one of the largest, most influential masterminds in the business, guys. If you are interested in breaking into the cannabis industry, whether you're a newbie, whether you're a guy with experience, come check us out. RealCannabisEntrepreneur.com forward slash mastermind. And if you guys know or are a real cannabis entrepreneur doing something great for the community or unique or revolutionary that you want to be featured on the show. So go to uh, realcannabisentrepreneur.com forward slash guests and all the information will be there as well. That's right, guys. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you're on an iPhone, open up that podcast app and subscribe. Hit that blue button. Subscribe. If you're on an Android, go to Google Play Music. Use Stitcher. You can use Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart or SoundCloud, guys. So make sure you go check us out. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you soon. Bye bye.